Coming up on the Keto Camp Podcast, we welcome back Dr. Ken Berry. One of the bigger guys, he's a nutritionist and I think he has a master's degree, but he was calling me out for being a charlatan or a quack or whatever. And I just, I commented, I said, just give him a few years because he's a smart guy and he sees what I see and he'll, he'll come around because everybody was attacking him. Like, don't you talk like that to Dr. Barry? And I was like, no, it's fine. It's not time for him to shift his paradigm yet. He's almost ready, but he's not there yet. And I'm not going to name his name because I'm not trying to shame or, or, you know, do that. But you'll see more and more huge nutrition experts and researchers, they'll come around this because you cannot unsee the thousands of tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who have corrected their chronic medical conditions by turning down the carbohydrate intake knob and correcting their hyperglycemia and their hyperinsulinemia. You can only see that so many hundreds of times, Ben, before you go, okay, what the hell's up with this keto thing? I'm a certified functional health practitioner who's on a mission to educate 1 billion people. I've been obese for most of my life. From rock bottom to the top of the mountain, I am passionate about studying ancient healing strategies like fasting and the ketogenic diet and curating this information on the Keto Camp podcast. My goal is to bring you the thought leaders in this space. My name is Ben Azadi, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper. Today's episode will be fun. Hold on to your hats and you're going to enjoy this ride. If you haven't listened to the first episode that Dr. Ken Berry was on the Keto Camp Podcast, go listen to that either right before this one or after. Actually, you can do it after. No need to do it before this one. That was episode number six. And we'll put that link in the podcast notes. And on that first episode, when he was on the Keto Camp Podcast, we talked about diabetes and the ketogenic diet, why most medical doctors are following outdated paradigms, the proper human diet, industrial seed oils. He shared his story and how he got involved with what he's doing now and so much more. That was a fantastic episode, episode six of the Keto Camp Podcast. Today, we have another amazing conversation. Oh my gosh, you are going to love this one. We talk about carbohydrates and anti-nutrients, how they are killing us slowly. We talk about the benefits of eating more meat in your diet. Dr. Barry calls it the best multivitamin on the planet. We talk about the optimal ranges for C-peptide, A1C. What are the markers to request from your doctor so you could actually be empowered and be a health detective? We talk about skin tags. Do you have a skin tag? What do they really mean? Should you be concerned with skin tags? We talk about the broken medical system, and we compare the broken medical system to the docu-series Chernobyl. Side note, fantastic docu-series, and we compare what went on with Chernobyl, the disaster in Chernobyl, with what's happening in the medical system. How to find the right data. Three simple steps. What do I mean by that? Well, we talk about how there's so many influencers and educators and practitioners on YouTube, on the internet, who are teaching keto, teaching fasting, but they are sharing different information, meaning 
I could share something about keto and Ken could share something completely different. And then we have uh, Ben Greenfield and then we have Dr. Berg and we are still preaching keto, but we have our differences. And how do you know who to put your faith into? How do you know what works for you? And we had that discussion. I think it's so important because a lot of people, this might be you, are just paralyzed and confused about the conflicting information. Even though we agree on the fundamentals of keto and fasting, there's going to be some things that we agree to disagree about. So if you're following people like Thomas DeLauer, Dr. Barry, Ted Naiman, Mike Mazzo, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. You're going to find some differences and some things that we don't agree on, which is fine. And we talk about three ways to kind of choose what works for you and follow these three simple steps and you'll get results. Then I asked Ken Berry, what are the most common reasons that he's seen people fail on keto? And he'll break that down. How to identify the toxic keto-friendly products that are out there, how the body wants to heal, and we should stop doing stupid stuff. And that was his quote. And then we get into the history of fasting and how fasting can heal and how people used to say fasting weakens the immune system. But we know now that it was the autophagy occurring and the immune system gets built back up stronger. So we're going to get into all that. I just gave you a whole synopsis of the episode. Can't wait to share this episode with Ken. Uh, I'm going to bring him on shortly before I do. I want to encourage you to leave the podcast a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Apple iTunes. It really helps the show out. If you're new to the Keto Camp podcast, welcome. So grateful to have you here. At Keto Camp, we are on a mission to educate and inspire 1 billion people on planet Earth. We release three brand new episodes of the Keto Camp podcast every single week and a new video on the Keto Camp YouTube channel every other day. We're committed to bringing this information to you. What we speak about is all things ancient healing strategies, keto, fasting, performance, longevity, anything that talks about root cause, upstream health, you're going to find here on Keto Camp. So I'm grateful that you chose this podcast out of all the podcasts out there. And if you're new, I would encourage you to subscribe to this channel right now. I do have a free 12-page ebook that teaches keto and fasting the general rules to follow, and it's called the Keto Kickstart Guide. You can get this for free over at ketokickstartguide.com. Go claim the free 12-page ebook. There's also a free meal plan in there for you. I have also put together a whole bunch of kits called my Keto Camp Kits. So you'll find a Keto Kickstart kit, a sleeping kit, a traveling kit, all different kits to help you really maximize your results. These are curated products that I put together in a simple to find format. And you can learn about this and, and see these kits that I put together for you over at ketocampkit.com. Remember that's camp with a K, ketocampkit.com. Hey, take a screenshot of this episode of the Keto Camp Podcast with Dr. Ken Berry and tag me on Instagram, tag Ken on Instagram and I'll see it and I'll share it on my story. Ken Berry's Instagram is kendberry.md and my Instagram handle is at thebenazadi. I love it when you do it. Take a screenshot, share it, and I will share it as well. Let's get into this episode round two with Dr. Ken Berry. Ken D. Berry, MD, is a board-certified family physician practicing in a small town in rural America. After practicing for more than a decade and seeing more than 20,000 patients, Dr. Ken Berry has seen the best and the worst that is American medical practice. He is a lucky husband, proud father, and full-time practicing doctor. Dr. 
Barry and his beautiful wife, Nasha live on their farm in Tennessee. Dr. Ken Barry, welcome back to the Keto Camp Podcast, brother. Thanks for having me back. I'm not sure what's wrong with you. You wanted to have me back a second time. I don't know. You didn't learn the first time, I guess. I didn't. I loved our first conversation. So if you didn't listen to that, go listen to it. Ken got into his story. We got deep into his book right here, Lies My Doctor Told Me. And we're going to talk a lot about what we talked about before, not so much. In this podcast, we're going to talk a little bit more about I have fasting, I have keto, and I have other things on my list. And before I get to that, I want to ask you this, Ken. There's so many tools out there in the the shed, right? The health shed. We have keto, we have fasting, we have detoxification protocols. What is your favorite tool to use and why? My favorite tool to use for almost everybody, whether their problem is is storing too much fat or harboring too much chronic inflammation, is what I've come to call the carbohydrate knob. And if you'll just think of your carbohydrate intake, just like the the loudness of your car radio, if it's too loud, you turn down the volume. And you can do the exact same thing with your carbohydrate intake because the the majority of chronic medical um, and mental conditions for most people is either consuming too many carbohydrates or consuming too many of the anti-nutrients that are usually found in high carbohydrate foods. And for some people, I think the benefit comes from just turning down their carbohydrate intake. For other people, I think it probably comes from when they do turn down the carbohydrate knob, they're also turning down the oxalates and the lectins and the the gluten-like proteins that are found in most plants. For many people, I think that that's where the benefit comes from whether the benefit comes from eating low carb or from eating the low anti-nutrients that are found in carbohydrate foods, I don't care. I'm still happy because your health is better and you're welcome. So essentially what you promote, and I know you do a variation of the carnivore, but you will promote eating more meat, right? Because that takes care of a lot of what you just said. So what are the benefits of eating more meat in the diet? So meat any meat, even the cheapest processed crap meat that you can buy at China Mart, is still, when you compare it to any other, any plant source of food, it is a, a, a powerhouse of nutrition. It is full of many vitamins, minerals, obviously the fatty acids and the amino acids that we need to build and maintain an optimal human body and an optimal human mind. If you're able to afford better quality meat and able to start implementing that into your diet, it's like taking a multivitamin. And, but the difference is, is that the vitamins and minerals in meat or animal source foods are hugely bioavailable and hugely bioabsorbable, where many of the, the multivitamins or vitamin and mineral supplements you might buy at China Mart, and I use that term to mean a big box store that you know, 90% of the crap's made in China and shipped over here. I'm not uh, xenophobic at all. I just, I think it's funny that 20 years ago, Walmart was all about made in the USA. And now you don't ever see that sign anywhere in Walmart anymore because everything comes from China. Meat is packed with nutrition, whether it's the cheapest meat you can buy at China Mart or the $22 a pound ribeye. You can't beat the nutrition that you get from meat. And I think many nutritionists, they are so enamored with the phytonutrients in plants and with the, oh, this is just a superfood and this berry and that 
fruit and this green, but they've forgotten, hey, you should do a side-by-side comparison with that whatever fill-in-the-blank plant you think is a, is a nutrition powerhouse. You should just do a side-by-side comparison of that with beef liver and then shut up because you're never, ever going to come close to the nutrition contained in animal products with a plant product. It's just not going to happen. And that's why, you know, Ben, I've talked about the proper human diet. It's a spectrum. For some people, that, that can include lots of green plants, right? Uh, if you want to be an ovo-lacto-pescatarian and eat lots of seafood, lots of you know, cheese and eggs, I think you can do great with, with that style of keto. Not everybody can, but some, many people can. But as you get older or as you become more metabolically ill or as you become more hyperinsulinemic, you have to turn down that carbohydrate intake knob to a point where your A1C and your C-peptide are both within normal limits. And when you've reached that point, that is the point on the proper human diet spectrum that you should live at for now. What is your optimal ranges for the A1C and the C-peptide? So you want, you want both of them to be within the normal range for the reference lab that you're using, and that's different for different reference labs, whether it's LabCorp or Quest. Some of the bigger university hospitals will have their own reference lab, and so their ranges might be a little different. But you want both of those to be on the lower end of the normal range. That is optimal, and all the research points to that. Uh, there are so many things. We all know that you know having high blood sugar is bad. But many of us, we still talk about things like, oh, I'm insulin resistant, or he has insulin resistance. Actually, what that we need to rename that and start calling that hyperinsulinemia, because that's what it actually is. It's not that your cells are somehow magically resistant to your insulin. If you check a C-peptide, that, that is a, a surrogate marker for insulin production in the human body. And if your C-peptide is on the higher end of normal or if it's elevated, you're making tons of insulin. And so it's silly to say that you're insulin resistant. It's just that you're eating too many carbohydrates. And I'm actually working on a YouTube video right now. Uh, I keep looking in other fields of specialization. And so I thought, I saw somebody talk about how their hearing had gotten better when they went keto. And I'm like, is that possible? Is that a thing? And so I actually looked into it and hyperinsulinemia is hugely correlated with hearing loss as, as both in younger ages and as you get older, the nerve cells in the cochlea, which is the, the main thing in your inner ear, which helps you to actually hear, it's very sensitive to hyperinsulinemia and you won't rebuild the hair cells and the little neurons that go with them if you're chronically hyperinsulinemic. And so literally everything I look into, there's all these articles about hyperinsulinemia and that particular malady. So, you know, presbycusis, losing your hearing as you get older. Is it from because you worked in that factory and it was so loud or you went to all those rock concerts? Or is it because you're, you're chronically hyperinsulinemic and when you check a C-peptide, it's high? Is that what's causing your body not to be able to repair and rebuild your inner ear? Yes, that's fascinating. Can't wait to watch the video. So those are two markers that we are recommending you get, your A1C, your C-peptide. What are some other ones that are just a must to order from their doctor? Yeah, if you're over 40, you definitely want a full gender hormone panel. You want a full thyroid panel. You want uh, a DHEA, a vitamin D25. There's there's a ton of them that I talk about in my other Facebook and YouTube videos, 
but to check on your glucose and insulin metabolism at any time of day, these two markers are just about the best because, you know, a fasting insulin, that does give great information, but you have to be fasting, right? And so the same goes for a fasting blood sugar, but an A1C and a C-peptide, you can walk into your doctor's office at 4.30 p.m. and have already eaten twice that day, and it's not going to affect the results very much at all. And so it helps busy healthcare providers because no healthcare provider is just seeing four or five people at 8 a.m. and then going home. That's not how it works. We're seeing a full book of people all day long. And if somebody comes in at 4 p.m., I don't want to have to say, well, you've already eaten today. Come back in the morning and I'll check a fasting blood sugar and a fasting insulin level. I'm going to check an A1C and a C-peptide, and then we'll have the results back in a day or two, and you and I can have an intelligent conversation about your metabolic health without you having to come back and pay another copay. So that's why I love those two markers the most. They give you very reliable information. Are either one of them perfect? No, but they give you very reliable, reproducible information about your metabolic health that you can immediately put into use and, and start to turn down that carbohydrate knob if you need to. Great. Great advice, Ken. You recently released a video on your YouTube channel, which if you're not subscribed to Ken Berry's YouTube channel, by the time this video is out or this podcast is out, it's going to be over a million subscribers. Go subscribe to it. It's one of the best YouTube channels out there, not just health, but in general, the best, uh, one of the best out there. There's a video you released about skin tags that just took off. Like So many people are wondering, why do they have skin tags? What is this thing? Is it cancerous? Is it dangerous? What does skin tags really mean, Ken? So skin tags, there is a small genetic component. That's, there's no doubt about that. And there are a few rare genetic anomalies that can cause you to have lots of skin tags. But there are also other neurological conditions that can cause you to have lumps or bumps or tag-type structures on your skin. There's no, no argument about that. But for the average person, the majority, the 85 90% of people out there who have lots of big skin tags dangling on their eyelids or on their neck, under their arms, in their groin region, you're hyperinsulinemic. And um, I, I noticed two or three people in my private Facebook group if you're a Facebook supporter or you're a member of my Patreon, we have a private Facebook group that we go live in pretty often. And two or three of those guys have said, you know, my skin tags have all went away since I've been keto or since I've been carnivore. And sure enough, this is one of those many things. I actually went to pubmed.gov and typed in acrocordons, which is the medical name for skin tags, and hyperinsulinemia, there's 20 or 30 articles about this. In dermatology, it's just known that you're going to have more skin tags if you're hyperinsulinemic. And I actually uh, linked a bunch of those studies in the show notes of that video. And so again, your skin, if you're eating crap and you're eating too many carbohydrates and you're eating industrial seed oils, you're building your skin out of crap material and that skin is going to be crappy skin. And so you're going to sunburn easier, you're going to have more skin tags, you're going to be at higher risk of skin cancer. And that really video uh, really popped and took off. It got almost a million views in 24 hours. Whoa. Crazy. I couldn't even believe that. But everybody, and the reason why there were so many comments, and everybody was saying in the comments, you know, I've been keto for six months and I'd never even thought about my skin tags. But after I watched this video, I went and looked in the mirror. They're all gone. And it's like, yeah, because you fixed your chronic hyperinsulinemia and your chronic carbohydrate toxicity syndrome, you fix those. And more than likely, 
you're eating a better quality fatty acid now. You're eating a much higher omega-3 to omega-6 ratio. And so you're building healthier, more vibrant uh, skin cells. And so, yeah, absolutely, that matters. And I had a couple of bigger YouTube channels that like, that's dumb. There's no link between that. And I'm like, dude, look in the show notes. The research is right there. But the problem is so many doctors, if you're a dermatologist, you keep your head down in the dermatology rut, right? And that's good. You should know everything about dermatology there is to know. But most doctors and mo most researchers and scientists, they don't ever look up and look around and see what other specialties are doing and see what, you know, what's the big problem in family medicine? What's the big problem in neurology? What's the big problem in audiology? Well, I mean, by far the most common condition that an audiologist is going to see is just chronic hearing loss. Well, guess what? That's directly associated with hyperinsulinemia. And it, it's pretty much that way in every specialty. Uh, the, the general surgeons out there who are busy cutting off toes and, and feet and legs because of chronic diabetes, guess what? If you turn down the, the carbohydrate intake knob, those surgeons will go out of business because there just won't be as many limbs to cut off. And it's that way in every specialty. And so one of my main messages in the book because there's a chapter dedicated to doctors and medical students in the back of the book is, Hey, be an expert in your field of expertise, but I want you to also read far outside your specialty because only when you do that, are you going to be able to see the big picture, which every scientist, you should know the minutia of your specialty, but don't you think it would be wise to also know about other specialties and kind of the, the broad framework of what they're seeing as well. I think that's very wise to do. And I try to do that all the time. Uh, here lately, I've been reading so deeply into paleoanthropology because, I mean, that, that is the study of ancient humans. How would that not help me be a better doctor and give better nutrition advice if I, if I knew what human beings have been eating for the last two million years or, the, or you know, the homo family? If they, what, what have they been eating for two million years? Because that's probably important. And I think all specialists, all scientists, all doctors and other healthcare providers, you need to have that same mentality. Know a lot about what you practice, but you should know about other stuff too. Ken, who taught you this, this mentality? Is it something you always had growing up? Uh, I've always been a bit of an iconoclast. And so I've always been a, a my favorite question from the time I could speak English was why, why, why? And so I think that question led me to look at the world this way. And, and then also, I had some paramedical training. I was a radiologic technologist before I went to medical school. And that helped me very quickly to not see my mentors, my professors, as these demigod-like guys who knew everything. I'll tell you just a quick aside. I was in, in my fourth year of medical school. I was in a radiology rotation because I thought I wanted to be a radiologist for a second. And he was showing an x-ray up the front of the class. There's probably 30 students and residents in there. And he, he was showing this pneumonia in the left lower lobe. And I'd been an x-ray tech. I'd seen tens of thousands of chest x-rays, right? And so from the back of the room, this is just a skill you develop when you see thousands and thousands of x-rays. He was a chief resident. So he, I'd probably seen more chest x-rays than him just because I'd shot so many as an x-ray tech. And I said, you know, that the pneumonia was probably caused by splinting because of those three root fractures right there. And the room was deathly silent. And everybody was like, what, what? And you can imagine this third year radiology resident going, 
who the F is this guy back here in his little short coat? And so then he re-examines the x-ray with fresh eyes, and he's like, oh, yeah, there is a, an R789 rib fractures there. You're probably right, doctor. But I could tell from the tone of his voice that he did not appreciate that at all, and I learned very quickly to, to keep my mouth shut. But you can see how that helped me understand that, yeah, this guy's very smart in radiology, but he obviously doesn't know anything because he had missed those three fractures that were not his place. And so I, experiences like that just helped me understand that you know, even people in our sphere of influence, Gary Fetke, Tim Noakes, these guys, J Jason Fung, they're brilliant, but they don't know everything, and they would happily admit that to you, and I think that's how we all need to be, and when we look at the world like that, like, yeah, I know a lot about what I know a lot about, but there's other things I don't know much about, and I should probably pay attention to those, too. I think experiences like that is, is where my paradigm of thinking about all this came from. Yeah, I love that story. Uh, and you're right. The gentlemen that you mentioned, they're definitely open to other ideas if they're not, they feel like they're not experts in. And I respect that with you as well. That's something I've seen with you since day one. You had mentioned so for that. any medical students listening to this, don't do what I did. Keep your mouth shut. If you see the rib fractures, just shut up because I, it, I did not have a good month in my radiology rotation because they all thought I was a smart ass know-it-all. And I just was I was trying to contribute, but I did it in an improper way. And so if you're a healthcare provider, student, medical school, nursing, whatever, read one of the last chapters in my book and you'll know to be aware, but sometimes it's best to keep your mouth shut. You know, what you just shared reminds me of uh, an analogy from, from the docuseries Chernobyl. Have you seen it or heard of it? I watched it. Yeah, it's a great miniseries. It's amazing, right? So not to give any spoilers, so spoiler alert, but well, they know what happened, but a specific part in the first episode was that commander who kept sending people. He didn't want to believe it because if he accepted that, millions of people would be dead, right? So you just kept hiding and hiding it. So do you see that in the medical space? I mean, I click with that as soon as you started sharing that. Yeah, all the time I see that. And uh, there are some very big influencers, let's just call them that, who are in the high protein, lift weights, and they're, I mean, they're seeing person after person who's eating a very high-fat ketogenic diet or a very high-fat carnivore diet, and they're making tremendous gains in the gym, right? That They're seeing that every day. And so they're just, they're just like that commandant in Chernobyl. They're seeing the facts right in front of their eyes, but they're not ready mentally or spiritually to shift their paradigm yet. And uh, actually... One of the bigger guys, he's a nutritionist, and I think he has a master's degree, but he was calling me out for being a charlatan or a quack or whatever, and I just I commented. I said, just give him a few years because he's a smart guy, and he sees what I see, and he'll, he'll come around because everybody was attacking him, like, don't you talk like that to Dr. Barry? And I was like, no, it's fine. It's not time for him to shift his paradigm yet. He's almost ready, but he's not there yet. And I'm not going to name his name because I'm not trying to shame or, or, you know, do that. But you'll see more and more huge nutrition experts and researchers, they'll come around this because you cannot unsee the thousands of tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who have corrected their chronic medical conditions by turning down the carbohydrate intake knob and correcting their hyperglycemia and their hyperinsulinemia. You can only see that so many hundreds of times, Ben, before you go, okay, what the hell's up with this keto thing? 
Is that why you believe the keto diet, if you want to call it that, is, is so popular these days? One of the top search terms on Dr. Google because all the transformations? Absolutely. I mean, Weight Watchers, do you know how many million dollars they're going to spend in an ad budget this year to try to get people to believe in their diet? There is no multi-million or multi-billion dollar corporation that's pushing keto. It's all just men and women like you and me who are literally taking time out of their day to say, hey, I was told this and this and this for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. It never worked. I tried this and not only did it work, but it's delicious and it's sustainable. And I enjoy eating this way. And I can't wait to eat my next keto meal. And like when I was on Weight Watchers, when I literally dreaded eating that processed food-like product slop that they put in their frozen meals. And then I'm going to be hungry for four hours until I can have a snack. Yeah. I mean, keto is literally a grassroots groundswell movement. There's no money behind this. There's no multi-billion dollar corporation pushing this. There's actually multiple billion dollar corporations trying to put out the keto fire, but they can't because when you see your neighbor literally transform their health and their life, both their physical health and their mental health, you got to know what the heck's up with that. And what I think we're all doing as we fumble around in the dark, because that's what we're all doing, we are rediscovering the proper human diet. Because I bet if you went back in time 100,000, 200,000 years ago, everybody would know. You want to eat as much fatty meat as you can get your hands on. And if you want to eat a few nuts or a little bit of grass or some berry, whatever, that's fine. But the, the bulk of your diet better be some kind of fatty meat, whether that's seafood or red meat or poultry or whatever, you better eat a lot of that if you want to be a healthy human being and not succumb to disease or illness or trauma. That's what you better be eating. And I think that's what we're rediscovering is the proper human diet. Problem is you can't make millions or billions of dollars off the proper human diet because it doesn't consist of products. It consists of one ingredient, whole foods like ribeye, like broccoli, like avocado, like, you know, almonds. You can't make a billion, billion dollars on that. You, may, you know, a big corporation might be able to make a few million on it by selling a certain brand of almond or a certain brand. But, but as far as billions of dollars like the Coca-Cola and the PepsiCo and all these guys are making, you can never do that with keto. And so they're not interested. And I think that's holding keto back a little bit. But ultimately, I think that's going to be keto, carnivore, low-carb strength is that it was 100% organic grassroots, groundswell, this came from the people, and you can't fool the people when they're the very ones seeing the results. Yeah, I love it. I want to get a little bit into keto and some mistakes I've seen. I want to hear your input. But before I do, I get people, conventional doctors, message me on LinkedIn and say, hey, did you see this article about keto? And of course, they're bashing it. And I'm like, oh, thanks. That's great content for me to make. So I don't get into that discussion with them. I just use it as an outlet to create content and speak my truth. Uh, And I want to know this from you because This is what I see, Ken, is a lot of people who are educating themselves on keto, fasting, carnivores, low-carb space, they get paralyzed because they're looking at Ken, they're looking at Ben, they're looking at other guys, and we, as a whole, I would say we agree on a lot of things, but there are specific things that we don't agree on. Like, me and Ken Berry could agree to disagree on a few things, and I tell them, hey, look, Find what's an experiment and see what works for you and keep doing it and discard what doesn't work because you're going to get, just get confused. So I want to hear your input. I know you see something similar. What's the advice you would give the audience if they're in that situation? 100%. And so for somebody like that, it's like, I don't even know where to start. I watched this Ted Naiman guy and he said eat lots of protein. Then I watched this 
Ken Berry dude, and he said eat lots of fat. I don't even know where to start. And so anytime somebody's in that situation, I tell them there's three simple steps that we all agree on. <laughs> Number one, get rid of all sugar from your diet, including agave nectar and local honey. Get rid of all sugar, both added sugar that's added, but also sugar that occurs naturally. And so stop drinking fruit juice. I don't think any of us would disagree with that. Stop drinking low-fat or skim dairy. Stop that. All those things are full of sugar, and they're going to spike your blood sugar and spike your insulin. Number two, stop eating all grains, whether they're processed, whether they're whole grains, whether they're ancient grains, whether they're sprouted grains. They are full of carbohydrates, and all carbohydrates turn into sugar when you eat them. The end. And so eating grains is the same thing as eating sugar. It just takes, your body has to break them down into the sugar. And then step three, stop eating all industrial seed oils. And again, I think we all agree on this. Stop eating any canola oil. Stop eating any corn oil, soybean oil, safflower, sunflower, peanut oil. None of these oils are good for you. Replace them all with, if you like plants, eat avocado, olive, and coconut oil. If you like animals, eat beef tallow and bacon grease and butter. But any of those oils are a thousand times better than the industrial seed oils that are made in a factory from almost without exception GMO grains or seeds. If you do those three steps only, and then don't even get into all the minutia of low-carb, keto, banting, Atkins, carnivore. You don't have to worry about all that. Just get rid of those three things out of your mouth, out of your house, out of your fridge, out of your pantry. You've just taken a huge, huge step to getting rid of the hyperglycemia, the hyperinsulinemia, and the chronic inflammation in your body. And after you've done those three steps, then you can continue to learn, research, and watch YouTube videos, read books. And like Ben said, you can say, I'm going to try a carnivore month. I'm going to try uh, ovo-lacto-pescatarian month. I'm going to try a high-protein month like Dr. Naiman talks about. You can play around with this stuff then and decide what works best for you at this point in your journey. When I first started recommending keto to my patients, I was, I 100% believe that it was a temporary weight loss hack. Back in, I don't know, 07, 08, 09, somewhere in there. I didn't think it was probably healthy to do it long-term, but I did, did know without a doubt, it's gonna help you lose fat and it's gonna help you lower your A1C. And so I would tell my patients, do it for a month, two, three, maybe six months, but then you can go back to you know eating more of what you want then anytime you start to gain the weight, do another month, three months of keto. But as I continue to learn, and not only learn in nutrition and medicine, but also to look at archaeology, anthropology, paleoanthropology, stable isotope analysis of the bones of, of humans that are 1,000, 10,000, 100,000 years old, I came to realize, no, this is not a hack. This is not a fad. This is not some biohacking thing we're basically rediscovering the proper human diet that leads to optimal human function, both physically and mentally. And so that would be my advice to someone who's like, I'm totally confused about this keto. I don't even know where to start. And then step forward, that would be do not buy a single product that has keto or low carb in the name. If it's a bar, a shake, a snack cake, do not buy that. 
you do not need that to do low carb keto carnivore right. And that might make some of your sponsors mad. And if so, I'm sorry, <laughs> but that's the thing. Keto is real whole food. That's what it is. Whether it's avocado or coconut oil or almonds or ribeye or butter, it has one or two ingredients and that's it. That's what human beings should eat. If something has a long list of ingredients and half the words, you don't even know what they mean. 100% that's not keto right there, right off the bat. Even if it's got keto on the front package in boxcar letters, that ain't keto. Yeah, I love it. Amen, uh, Ken, because I always tell people, Keto is not a diet. It's a metabolic state. It's been around since humans have been around. And it's not even necessarily about eating a whole bunch of fat to bring your carbohydrates low enough so your body could tap into its fat-burning state because, yeah, 70%, 75% is the general recommendation from fat, but that could come from your body fat, right? So if you pair intermittent fasting with it, it doesn't mean you have to eat all these keto products, especially since it's so damn popular. These companies are making these products that are making you very addicted to them, and it's not getting you the results because the overall goal, and I think you would agree with me, is to reduce inflammation specifically around your cells and you'll get well. Hey Keto Camper, I want to interrupt this episode real quick and let you know about a product I've been using to reduce inflammation and to get better sleep. When it comes to the CBD space, it is like the wild, wild west. And the company I've discovered is Dr. Phillips Formulations. It is pure, safe, potent, and yes, it's formulated by a doctor. They bring over 20 years of medical experience to their CBD oil. They have a proprietary formulation which combines pure, high-quality ingredients with the knowledge of a board-certified physician. They have tinctures that are internationally certified for non-GMO. And here's what they also have. Keto CBD fruit chews. Yes, they are keto-friendly, they taste delicious, and they're a great way to reduce inflammation in the body. The third thing that I use from them is the topical cream. There's very few, if any, CBD products on the market that can compare to this. I use the topical cream when I have some soreness, maybe in my lower back. I put this cream and the next morning the pain is gone. We have worked out a deal for Keto Campers to get 15% off your order by heading over to drphillipscbd.com slash ketocamp. Dr. Phillips CBD is spelled D-R-P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S-C-B-D dot com slash Keto Camp. Remember, that's camp with a K. Let's get back to this episode. So this brings me to, we're going into February. And uh, by this time of year, a month into the new year, so many people have given up on their New Year's resolutions. And a lot of people have started keto this year and they've fallen off track what are the most common things that knock people off track with keto? And what are some things you would recommend for them to get back on course? The most common thing that I see knocking people off keto is they're trusting the keto products that are increasingly out there. And any product that wants to call itself low carb or keto, they want to make a lot of money. Of course, that's human nature and that's fine. But in order to do that, to make a, a product that's both shelf stable, and is tasty, they're going to have to count carbs in a net carb fashion, right? They're not ever going to count total carbs because if they do, if you see that number, oh, it only contains 70 grams of total carbs, you're going to be like, I ain't eating that. But if they, if it says on the front, only four grams of net carbs, you'd be like, oh, that ain't bad. That fits my macros. I can eat that. And so it starts immediately to make them play reindeer games. And then also 
the industrial seed oils are much more shelf stable. They'll last for two or three years on the shelf and that that's going to increase their profits. Right. And so they're like, well, cause you know, as well as I do Ben, you can drink, you can chuggle a canola oil and be in deep ketosis, no doubt, but that's terrible for your long-term health and, and nutrition. And I don't recommend anybody do that. Actually, if you've got canola oil right now in your cupboard as you're watching this, pause this video right now, go to the kitchen, get the canola oil or margarine and throw it in the garbage. Don't even give it to your neighbor because I promise you're not wasting food. You're actually protecting your health and your neighbor's health. So only give it to your neighbor if you don't like your neighbor, then give them the canola oil. Otherwise, otherwise pour it down the drain or throw it in the garbage. It's dangerous for human consumption. But that's what I think most people. And then secondly is, is something I call carbohydrate creep. Very, very common. You'll start off good, hardcore keto. And people, you know, we're just human. And we're like, well, I'm going to have a little bite of this. That's just probably a gram. I'll have a little bite of this. I'll have a little bite of that. And these people will swear to you with an honest heart, I am eating super low-carb keto and I'm not losing fat. But when you have them keep a two-week food and drink journal of every single morsel that goes into their mouth, they're eating 50, 60, 70 grams total carbs a day, and they had no idea that they were doing that. And that's one of the many reasons I see fat loss stalled on keto. But also, if they're like, I'm still having a lot of inflammation in my gut, my knees, my skin, it's almost invariably the, the little picking and the pinching and just a bite of this and just a little bit of this. And, you know, well, it's just every Friday night I have a piece of this. That kind of stuff adds up to inflammation and to decreased fat loss. Yeah, because even if they're eating the a keto-friendly snack, they're still spiking insulin and they're automatically storing fat. So I work with a group of doctors all across the U.S. and, and Canada. One of them, he's part of the organization. His name is Dr. Don Klum, who's been on my, my podcast. And he did a survey with, I forget how many patients. I think it was over 100. And he did a survey to find out how many times are they eating each day, right? Meaning, and the definition of that is anytime you spike glucose and insulin from food or drink. 17 to 23 times a day was the average, meaning the average person is eating 17 to 23 times per day. And they think even if it's carrots and hummus or whatever they think is healthy, they're storing fat, right? Right, Ken? Yeah, absolutely right. And, and the problem, I think, is we're, we were all taught from the time we could walk that you should eat three squares a day, three meals a day. And then, you know, if you're trying to train or if you're a growing child, you need snacks in between. And so Jason Fung talks about this brilliantly. You need three meals and three snacks every single day. But what that's going to lead to, even if you're eating keto meals and keto snacks, is you're going to have chronically elevated insulin. Even if you're eating that because protein elevates your insulin, there's no argument about that. Uh, any amount of carbs, even if the carbohydrates are from raw, organic, non-GMO broccoli, those carbohydrates raise your insulin. Nobody argues with that. And so a lot of people bring their old eating habits to keto. And so they think they're supposed to eat three meals a day and have a mid-morning mid snack, an afternoon snack, and a bedtime snack you're not going to lose the fat that you want to lose and you're not going to lose the inflammation that you want to lose if you do that. And that's why my next recommendation for somebody who's confused about keto is to fast for at least 16 hours a day. So have an eight hour eating window when you first start this and don't eat or drink any calories or any protein or anything that tastes sweet for 16 hours a day. And that leaves a few things you can drink that are, you're not going to die. I promise you won't die from that. 
but that's going to allow your body to have a 16-hour window where your insulin level stays very low normal, or at least lower than it would be if you were eating every minute of the day except for the seven or eight hours you're asleep. Yeah, great tips right there. I hope you're all taking notes. If you want to get back on keto or do it the right way, those are some valuable nuggets right there. Yeah, I love uh, intermittent fasting. It's actually my favorite tool in the shed if you use it the right way. So you teach it 16 hours, a 16-8 format. Do you do with your patients a variation of 24-hour fast or an extended fast? How do you fit that in there? Yeah, it depends. Some people aren't motivated. They have no desire to ever do a longer fast. And I think that's totally fine. And so uh, the 16 hour fast, that's the starting point. And then if they're making good progress, their inflammation's better, their, their C-peptide and their A1C is coming down and they're, they're losing fat, keep doing that. Perfect. Keep doing that for as long as that works. But then if that ever stops working for a month or two, then you can turn down the carbohydrate knob some more, or you can turn up the fasting knob and then start doing 18-hour daily fasts. And that's going to give you another two hours of having a lower insulin level, which is going to help your inflammation and it's going to help your fat loss. And so, and then some people are very motivated, you know, they're, they're driven like, yeah, I want to see if I can do a three-day fast or a five-day or seven-day for those people, once they've done some intermittent fasting for two or three months and they understand the, how the body handles that, I'm 100% for a three or four or five day fast. Longer than that, it's probably, there's not much benefit to that. But yeah, I've, I've done two 72 hour fasts and have had not only benefits during the fast, but I've noticed extended benefits for days, if not weeks after that fast. And so I'm seriously considering doing a 72-hour fast once every quarter, once every three months, probably from now on, just as a hard reset to really ramp up the autophagy and really, really, really dig deep into what's causing any inflammation that I may have. I love it. I was going to say, uh, I'm a big fan of doing the block fasting the right way. I did uh, two five-day fasts last year. I also took a group of about 40 people, four different occasions, and I took them in a seven-week program. I took them from being a sugar burner, standard American diet, which you call stupid American diet. And on week six, we all did a five-day fast of di different variations, water, partial bone broth. And I'm telling you, the results were amazing. Even for myself, I have Raynaud's, and a lot of my Raynaud's symptoms went away for almost a couple months, and they started to come back. So it's things like that. The body is so freaking smart. It starts to heal things that need to get healed, and you could do it when you achieve that maximum autophagy. Yeah, and I think you hit two very important points that I want to echo a little bit. Number one, the human body, your DNA is hugely ancient. It's very, very wise and intelligent. For most of the functions of the human body to be optimal, your body does not need your help or input at all. It just needs you not to do stupid stuff, right? And so uh, I've heard that just what you just said, like things that people think are just part of who they are, part of their definition. Oh, I have Raynaud's. Oh, I have Sjogren's. Oh, I have lupus, whatever. When they start to eat the proper human diet, and, and, and I consider fasting to be a part of that, fasting. And then the second thing I wanted to say is fasting you may have just heard about it as a listener, but there's nothing fad-ish about fasting. Fasting is ancient. Every major religion, before they got modernized, 
there was a huge component of fasting built into that religion. All the major religions, even Christianity. Now, you may be in a, a brand of Christianity now that fasting's not even spoken about. You may read about it in the Old Testament and go, what was that? What did they used to do? But that used to be a huge component of even Christianity. But we've kind of forgotten about it. And I think big food has helped us to forget about it because big food's profits suffer when you fast. And so they're not interested in talking about that at all. But fasting is, is a very, very powerful technique that human beings have known about for a quarter of a million years. Back then, we called it starving because we couldn't kill anything. But our body's not stupid. It's ancient. It's wise. It's intelligent. And so it's almost like when a, if, if anybody's ever worked at a factory, when the factory shuts down for the season or shuts down for whatever reason, what happens? Does everybody just go home and, and nothing changes? No, that's when the mechanics and the repairmen start to come in and they start to put in a new set of blades on this machine and they replace the bearings on this machine. That's exactly what your body does when you're not eating is it actually uses that downtime as a time to repair and renew and rejuvenate. It's just stunning how intelligent and how wise the human body is. Mm, I love that analogy. I'm going to use it. I'll give you credit when I use it though. Yeah, the body is amazing. We're hardwired for these feast famine cycles. And nowadays I tell people we have to mimic it because we're so abundantly blessed to just hit Uber Eats on our phone and have a millennial on our door with food. But if we mimic our ancestors, we're going to be healthier as a result. Fasting used to get a bad rap uh, several, several years ago because they saw that the immune system would drop during an extended fast. And now with Walter Longo's research, we know that that's the autophagy because if you look at the opposite end, what's going back are healthier stem cells. So the body knows what to do. There's really no argument against it. There's no argument that could hold its own weight when you look into the research. And the bottom line is this. Have you tried fasting for yourself? If you've tried it, you're going to notice the benefits. For me, it's been the most powerful tool in my toolbox. But with that being said, it's a tool like a chainsaw. We got to know how to use it and use it the right way because it could hurt you as well. So I love this conversation. Anything else you wanted to add to that before we move on? No, I, I think just if people understand that if you're doing keto properly, fasting is just going to kind of naturally come along for almost everybody. But there are still some people who bring their old habits like, oh, I, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Oh, you should eat three square meals a day. Oh, you, if you're trying to grow as a child or you're trying to grow muscle in the gym, you need to snack all the time. Yeah, that, none of that's true. Those are basically myths that were created by either the federal government or big food corporations. There's no basis in science and no basis in fact. Right on. Yeah, in my lectures, I always, I always, I say the same thing about there's a lot of money to be lost if you start skipping breakfast. And I actually did the math for people. I said, hey, if you just spent $15 every single day, Monday through Friday, after a year, you would save $3,900. Multiply that for millions of people doing that. That's a lot of money being lost. And then you also get back two and a half days if you spend 30 minutes on breakfast. So you get time back, you get money back, and that money you get back, maybe you could spend it on higher quality food, organic food. So it's just so many benefits to it. I have my rapid fire questions, which we didn't do last time because it's new to my podcast. Are you ready to do it? Yeah, let's do it. All right. What is your favorite keto food? Ribeye. What is your favorite non-keto food? Probably tiramisu, but uh, my good friend Kim Howerton, the ketonist, now has a keto tiramisu on her um, Facebook page. And so I am now completely happy and satisfied. Once a year for my birthday, I have keto tiramisu from Kim Howerton's recipe. 
That sounds great. When's your birthday? December the 9th. Oh, yes. Well, happy belated birthday. And, and by the way, congratulations on the new bundle of joy, man. Amazing. Such a blessing. He's amazing. He's got his own little Instagram. So if people want to check out my baby, I think it's uh, Life with Beckett's his handle. And we're always posting goofy pictures and funny pictures of him if anybody wants to check him out. But he's a cutie. He favors his mom more than me, which is probably to his advantage. Yeah, we'll put that in the notes. Go check him out. He is a cutie. I agree. <laughs> what What's the first thing you think of in the morning? What video am I going to make today? What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Never blindly believe anything. Always double check for yourself. What's the worst? That's number one. There's actually two. Let me do another one. The second one is lead by example. Don't be the preacher caught in the bar smoking cigarettes and, and talking to a lady of ill repute and having a beer. Lead by example. I love it. You're, you definitely lead by example, Ken. What's the worst piece of advice? Trust the experts. Yeah. Favorite TV show growing up? MASH. Reruns, if, but still. <laughs> if you had one superpower, what would it be? Gosh, I don't know. I would love to not have to sleep so I'd have more time in the day to learn and create. Yeah, that's a good one. Who do you admire the most? Oh, God. Dead or alive? Alive. Alive. Oh, my God. I don't even know. Um, I don't know. I'm going to have to pass on that one. Okay, pass. What is your favorite hobby? My favorite hobby is uh, reading and learning and researching. I freaking love it. I, I would do it every minute of the day if Disha would let me. <laughs> yeah, I'm like you. I see you on a lot of, uh, by the way, a lot of like comments on other YouTube videos. And I'm like, there's Ken Berry doing his studying and I'm right behind you, brother. I love it. Yep. What is the uh, strangest food that you've ever eaten? Probably copperhead meat. Copperhead's a snake in the southeastern United States. It's very venomous, but the venom's only in its head. And so if you blow its head off or chop its head off, you can fry it up. And it, it tastes a little like chicken, but it's pretty tasty. In the South, if you grew up poor, you've probably eaten lots of things that wow. most people have never eaten. So you had it in Tennessee? Yeah, sure. Okay, the rapid fire is done. We have a few minutes left. I want to ask you a couple more questions here. Your book, Lies My Doctor Told Me, is out. It's available on Audible. It's available on paperback. Go get it. It's a fantastic book. Are you in the works of writing a new book? Is that a plan for you? Yeah, I'm working on two books right now. I'm working on one book about lab work, what you should ask for at your doctor, why you should ask for it. If you have this symptom, what lab should you ask for? And then also what the results mean. What does this mean if my C-peptide is this or that? And then thirdly, what's the optimal range? I know what the normal range is, but is there an optimal? Should I be at this end or that end of normal to live my best, healthiest life? Working on that with Kim Howardson. And then I'm also working on another book, which is tentatively titled The Proper Human Diet, which is going to talk about everything that I talk about on all my videos. And that's going to include food eating, but it's also going to include not eating. It's going to include sleep. It's going to include lifestyle, mineral, salt, all those things, because all those things matter. If we're, if we're trying to mimic what our DNA is looking for, then you've got to think about all those things. I love it. Do you have a estimated time of when they're going to be out? The lab book should be out in another two or three months. Proper human diet will be out within six months to six years. <laughs> Got it. What, what is your writing 
process like? Do you block out time? Do you transcribe your audio? What do you do? Writing is torture for me because I have attention deficit. I just can't sit still and just pour it out. That's why video is perfect for me. But rereading and editing is literal torture cubed for me. It is just, I'm terrible at that. And so what I, what I have to do to get the book out is I think it was Tim Ferriss who said, you know, if you're trying to write, just sit down and write 500 crappy words a day, just blah, whatever comes out, do that. And, but do that every day. And so that's what I have to do to get the book out. But then the editing, man, I'm just telling you, it is, it's like I'm in a concentration camp when I'm having to edit, rewrite and all that stuff. It's, it's pure torture. I hate it. Yeah, me too. I, I don't enjoy it. That's, that's great. So you have, since we last spoke, which is not even a year ago when you were on the, on the podcast, you were already in such a growth phase when we last spoke and you've grown so much ever since. You're doing a lot of speaking engagements, your channel, like I said, it's going to be over a million in like an hour. Maybe if you check, it's probably right there right now. How would you put that into words, the feeling of this information, your information, your research getting out there into the world? How could you put that into words? What does it feel like? It's amazing. And, and I'm, I'm just beyond grateful that, that I've had this opportunity. I have to blame my wife, Nisha, or actually give her credit, but that's how I'm going to say it because I'm going to blame her because what, two, two and a half years ago, I didn't have a YouTube channel at all. And I would come home from the clinic seeing 30, 40, 50 people a day. And, and I would be talking about, you know, everybody says protein's bad for your kidneys, but when you actually look at the research, there's no research that shows that at all. And she's like, why don't you make a YouTube video? And the first time she said that, I literally was like, that's stupid. What are you talking about? I'm not making a YouTube video, blah, blah, blah. And so after about the 10th time she said that, I'm like, why don't I? I mean, but you know, I just put it on there. It's no big deal. And so I would, I would talk about these medical myths and that's where the book came from. That's, you know, one of the things I talk about in the book is just medical myths that have no research at all, but yet doctors say it every day in the clinic as if it's gospel. And so I just, I would try to think, okay, and I would try to talk to a patient. I would try to look at the camera and talk to one patient and say, okay, dude, you're obese. Here's what you need to do. And I tried to do that in such a way so that as soon as the video's over, they can go into their kitchen and immediately make a change that's going to help them start moving in the right direction. But I'm so thankful and grateful that I've had this opportunity to help so many people because in the clinic, I can help 30 or 40 people a day. Right. That's it. That's um, you're maxed out by your eight or nine or 10 or 11 hour day. But on YouTube, that there's video. Somebody's watching one of my videos right now in Pakistan. That's huge. Right. They're literally going to learn how to improve their health, both physical and mental, by watching that video. And I mean, that's such a powerful thing. It just blows me away that I've had this opportunity. Yeah, I'm grateful for it. I've learned so much from you and I continue to do so and you inspire me all the time. So thank you. Where would my audience, where's the best place to check you out besides YouTube? You mentioned YouTube. Yeah, I've got a Facebook page that uh, Nisha and I, we go live every Monday night at 7 p.m. Central Standard. If you want, if you have questions, if you want to really have some one-on-one FaceTime with me, I have a Patreon. And if you become a vital patron, then once a week I have a Zoom meeting with those guys and so they can ask me their one-on-one questions and get my answer. I'm working on the two other books I talked about. I've got a Twitter. If you're feeling snarky and salty, go and check out my Twitter feed because it gets pretty rough over there sometimes. 
I've got Instagram. I also have Vero. I have TikTok. I'm trying to reach people where people are because, you know, people need help no matter where they are. And if you're on TikTok and you're not on Facebook, you're never going to hear me, right? And so I've got to reach out and I have, I'm like a bank robber. I got to go where the money is. Where are the people? That's where you're going to find me because I'm trying to help people save their one life from bad advice. Awesome, Ken. Brother, you are an inspiration. I acknowledge you for all the work that you're doing. You show up all the time. You're consistent. You really put out, you wear it and you share it. You're not just somebody who's just preaching something you're not doing. And you take a lot of heat from it for it. More heat than anybody will ever know. More arrows than anybody will ever know that only you and your family understand. But you still hold your ground and you show up, man. And I'm grateful to be on this mission with you. I said it last time and I say it again. And thank you for coming back on the show. I had a great time with you today. Oh, it's always a pleasure, brother. Just yell at me if you want to do this again sometime. I really hope you enjoyed round two with Ken Berry. I imagine you did. He is such a fun person to be around. Not only is he fun with awesome energy, but he has so much knowledge and experience, and he really just doesn't care. He doesn't hold back is what I'm trying to say. He doesn't care what people think about him. He cares about the truth. He is a truth seeker and a truth teller. Go follow his work. If you're not doing so already, get his book, Lies My Doctor Told Me, the second edition, Medical Myths That Can Harm Your Health. I'll put that link in the notes of this podcast. Go subscribe to his YouTube channel. I'll put that link in the notes of this podcast. And if you want to watch the video interview with Ken, and myself from this podcast, go to youtube.com slash ketocamp and you can watch the video version. It was a lot of fun with Ken. We'll bring him back sometime soon again and we'll just keep bringing him back because we always have a, a blast. Hey, I want to remind you that if you have not left the show a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and you got value from this episode, please do so right now. It really helps the show out. And text this podcast to a friend, to somebody you know who could get value from it. You never know the difference you can make in somebody's life by just sharing an episode like this with them. So please share it with them. And then also stay, take a screenshot, tag me and Dr. Barry on Instagram. KenDBarry.md is his Instagram handle and mine is at TheBenAzadi. Tag us, I'll see it, I'll share it. And then if you wanna look at the kits I put together for you, go to KetoCampKit.com. I wanna let you know about my favorite keto snack in the entire world, these Paleo Valley Beef Sticks. They are 100% grass-fed and grass-finished. Many beef sticks and beef jerky companies out there claim that their product is grass-fed, but usually they're finished on grains. Paleo Valley, they live up to my high quality of standards, and I personally love the original flavor. I can't get enough of that. My girlfriend loves the teriyaki flavor. If we're running errands, traveling on the road, this is the perfect sidekick to keep us on course with our keto results. We have an exclusive deal for keto campers to get 15% off your entire first order by heading over to paleovalley.com, entering the coupon code KKA to get 15% off. That is paleovalley.com, coupon code KKA. Thank you for listening to this entire episode of the Keto Camp Podcast. You will hear me on the next episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. 
This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.